Hello everyone, welcome back to the Demos podcast. Today we are going to learn more about deliberative events such as citizens' assemblies. These events are organized to make citizens participate more and better in politics. The aim is to improve democracy. The Demos project is going to hold its own citizen assembly soon, so stay tuned to learn more about it. My name is Giulia Wessini, I'm a trainee at the Center for Social Sciences, and today I welcome here Dr. Daniel Ross, Research Fellow at the Center for Social Sciences. He is also Management Committee member of the Coast Action on Constitution Making and Deliberative Democracy. Daniel is specialized in democratic innovations and Hungarian politics. One of his latest publications examines the 2020 Budapest Climate Assembly, a deliberative event organized in Budapest about climate change. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Julia. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Daniel will explain to us what deliberative assemblies are, how they work and why they matter for democracy. Let us start by exploring the idea of deliberative democracy. Maybe some people have never heard of citizen assemblies. Can you explain what these are? So citizen assemblies are quite a recent phenomenon. Uh, actually, these are new forums for citizens to participate in politics. So um, it started around the 80s when uh, uh, NGOs and some citizens and experts were just unhappy about representative democracy and the way political parties function. So that's why uh, the so-called mini-publics were invented. And the uh, Citizen Assembly is one of uh, mini-publics where actually uh, randomly selected citizens are gathered uh, to discuss about a topic and to give recommendations to politicians on that. This is really interesting. Why are random citizens selected? So the idea is that uh, representative democracy, so elections, uh, do not provide a, a context where interests uh, are uh, put into the background and uh, free speech and uh, explanation of ideas and different perspectives can be done. So the idea is that uh, if we select uh, randomly citizens from different groups of society, so if we enable pensioners and young people and very active, busy people as well to get together uh, and organize a debate where voices of every and each layer of society can be heard, then in the end we arrive uh, to solutions which are more uh, complex than just uh, uh, solutions offered by political parties. This is really interesting. And how do you make these people dialogue and deliberate? Are there particular aspects that you make Definitely. sure? Definitely. It, it's a specific uh, context that is necessary for citizens to be informed enough to make uh, decisions. Uh, and that's why it's not only about citizens. It's uh, experts who give evidence to them, so lectures and different kind of presentations that uh, can uh, be presented to citizens before they make their decisions and also very importantly uh, practitioners, facilitators are there 
to help those citizens who are more likely to be shy in such contexts, so to speak up, to have them to elaborate their own ideas. Typically, we know that uh, lesser educated people oftentimes feel uh, less uh, safe in such contexts, so they need some encouragement to speak up, and these uh, practitioners are there to ensure that the voices of everyone can be heard. So it's a very inclusive process. Yes, it is. You wrote a paper about the 2020 Bado Budapest Climate Assembly, where Budapest citizens met to discuss what the city should do to address climate issues. What are your takeaways about this assembly? What can you tell about it? So it is important to emphasize in this case that uh, this citizen assembly was a cooperation between NGOs and uh, the City Council of Budapest to solve the issue of uh, climate emergency, which was declared actually by the City Council uh, a year before the event was uh, organized. So there were two different actors uh, cooperating. So on the one hand, NGOs who were willing to promote uh, uh, action for climate change and also promote democratic innovations on the one hand and the, the specific methodology of citizen assemblies and there was the city council in need of inputs from citizens because the citizen uh, council was just about to rewrite its uh, climate strategy and uh, to, to gain more uh, information from citizens. So these two uh, perspectives were merged into the uh, same horizon and that's why and that's how the citizen assembly of budapest uh, got created so what's the aim of a citizen assembly when it is created so as i said in the beginning these assemblies uh, are required to give some policy recommendations some proposals to politicians and that's why they are structured in a way that uh, at first citizens can gain information from experts, also sometimes uh, can listen to speeches of politicians to know what is at stake, what is the thing that the politicians want to change or the, the reason why they were convoked. And then uh, during these lectures uh, that were the, and evidence that is presented uh, to the citizens, they are uh, offered space and time to debate uh, with facilitators, to ask the experts questions, and so typically what happened in the case of the 2020 Budapest Citizen Assembly, it was uh, two days of a weekend when these uh, lectures and discussions happened. Then citizens were given some time to think about it. And then two weeks later, they were convoked again. But at that time, the explicit aim of coming up with policy solutions. So at that time, they were sitting together in groups around the table uh, they first had uh, uh, to come up with some proposals, then those proposals were discussed, uh, weighted, and uh, they came up with a final uh, list of uh, uh, proposals. Uh, actually, in this case, in Budapest, it was eight uh, recommendations that uh, with some specific aspects of climate change. Can you mention some international examples of uh, deliberative uh, events that have been held in the past? So, for example, and this is probably the most cited explanation for representative democracy being amended by uh, many publics. Uh, so this is the British Columbian Citizen Assembly uh, that was actually convoked uh, in order to help uh, political parties to overcome a representative problem, namely the electoral system, because uh, in that area of Canada, it happened oftentimes that the 
electoral outcomes led to a political deadlock. So nobody was really able to form governments or government did not last very long. Uh, and uh, so the prime minister thought that uh, it would be good to discuss with this topic uh, with citizens. And that time the citizens were uh, convoked for nine months and they had to organize a series of discussions and debates about uh, the electoral system and what was very interesting that uh, it was not only one specific context so where, where a big number of citizens uh, discussed with experts but also it was uh, put in a context where uh, the whole community uh, had to decide on the final outcome of this uh, deliberation uh, via uh, organizing a referendum. So it's a very, very well-known example, but it's also a good example that on the one hand citizens are able to come up with solutions because they, 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 they put uh, on a table a very finely detailed set of uh, answers to this electoral problem. It is called Every Voice Matters, so it's a very good a solution for electoral problems as such, but it was also interesting that uh, within this context of direct and representative democracy, uh, the final outcome of this uh, citizen assembly was not accepted because uh, the, on the, uh, during the referendum citizens uh, did not uh, actually uh, vote uh, in favor of it. So it, it, it is a very interesting context and probably that's why it is the one of the most cited examples that shows uh, the whole picture. So from the perspective of a problem of uh, representative democracy, uh, the, the issue of deliberative democracy and how citizens are able to come up with solutions and then also direct democracy uh, and its uh, specific uh, requirements regarding uh, uh, the number of uh, uh, voters and the number of yes votes which are necessary to accept the solution. So that's why probably this is the most uh, known example as such. But uh, talking about citizen assemblies, it's also important to see that sometimes uh, these uh, forums are used to help uh, autonomy of a given area uh, and to, to help a specific community to speak up and be and uh, make to ensure that their voice is heard. So, for example, uh, the German-speaking minority of Belgium has now uh, invented a permanent dialogue forum where next to the parliament there is this specific entity which is uh, regularly called and those citizens who are selected randomly uh, can give their opinion on issues that they think is important and then their uh, proposals are tabled on the uh, parliament of the regional uh, of, of the German-speaking uh, region. So th we also have examples for a permanent uh, way of integrating citizen assemblies into policy making and decision making. One of the very good examples, and I think we will come back to it when talking about communication, but still in this aspect of territorial representativity, the Scottish citizen assembly is also an important one, where the Scottish community uh, uses every and each opportunity to invite citizens into discussions and also to represent the Scottish way of doing politics. And uh, that's why um, nowadays I would say the most uh, institutionalized uh, citizen assembly is the Scottish. This is really interesting, but I see a difficulty here. Uh, these processes involve a small group of citizens because deliberation can only happen within relatively small groups of uh, maximum hundreds of citizens, of participants. So the key probably to make uh, the um, innovative uh, aspect of uh, this 
events known to the whole society is communicating that these events happen and that they work. Can you build up a little bit on this aspect, please? Yeah, so when I mentioned the Scottish example, uh, and, uh, and I said that it's the most institutionalized uh, citizen assembly, uh, I also meant that uh, this is the citizen assembly which communicates very effectively to the community. So the convener of the event has a blog uh, where uh, she re regularly explains to citizens what is at stake, what are the topics that are on table, why those topics matter. Also participants are given the chance to share their thoughts uh, uh, and also many, many communication platforms are open to citizens to interact. Uh, parts of the discussions are open, so you can follow it live and you can uh, listen to what uh, citizens say about different matters. And uh, also the solutions that they come up with are presented to the public, journalists write about them. In that context, it's not only about uh, those uh, 100 uh, people who actually take part, but it's also about the whole community who can sometimes comment those discussions like uh, live, uh, and they are integrated into this process. Not the same way as if they were sitting on the, next to the table, but still they know what is going on, they are informed about it, and uh, as these discussions happen regularly, uh, the inputs from one session can be brought to the next one and uh, uh, participants can see the impact of their you know, solutions on the community. You mentioned that deliberation changes attitudes in citizens and if uh, the citizens who cannot participate in this event know that if they can see that uh, through deliberation their peers actually change their mind when they're more informed and when they can dialogue with uh, each other, then this can trigger a positive uh, chain of uh, rebuilding trust in the possibility of dialogue and um, gathering together to discuss uh, societal issues. So talking about the benefits of uh, these events, um, these deliberative assemblies are organized because they are useful to society and politics. Can you tell us more about how deliberation benefits citizens and democracy? So we know that uh, oftentimes citizens are claimed to be not informed enough to make decisions in politics, and many political parties use this as an argument uh, to exclude citizens from policy making, or at least uh, to, to come up with very schematic solutions and the black and white uh, policy answers. Instead of that, uh, when citizen assemblies are uh, convoked and when the citizens are given space and time to, to learn and then to discuss and then finally to decide what comes out of this process in the end is a, a proof that citizens' voice can actually matter and they are able to come up with solutions that are useful for politicians. Uh, so the whole perception about citizens and uh, their participation can be changed via these tools and it's, it's a proof that uh, when given the tools, citizens are able to decide. And it doesn't mean that they have to decide instead of politicians. So the, we, we also have uh, citizen assemblies when 
citizens and politicians sit next to a table to talk uh, about a different uh, kind of issue. So, for example, in Ireland, when they talked about the constitutional amendments, in very, very polarized topics, politicians and citizens had the opportunity to talk sitting next to each other. And so in specific design, this is also possible to make this kind of dialogue happen. But in most cases, the idea is really to bring out the answers of citizens. So the idea is to emphasize the quality of the participation of citizens. So that's why it is called deliberative democracy, a deliberative method. So uh, instead of organizing a vote where you know votes are counted and uh, where it matters uh, who has majority, in this case, is really arguments are the ones that matter. And then you can separate arguments, so like uh, have a bigger set of ideas and then uh, distinguish different arguments behind it. So really what matters here to make every and each possible uh, viewpoints uh, be, be seen and uh, be weighted. So it's a process that uh, stresses uh, rationality, would you say? Yes, in many cases, but also emotions matter. So there are cases when it turns out the citizens are upset of something and they want to change something. And this method helps also to reveal the reason of their anger or frustration and to, to channel it into a rational discussion. Last time when we met, you mentioned that deliberative democracy was a tool developed to deal with dissatisfaction with representative democracy. In which sense? Uh, so the thing is that, uh, uh, and uh, Demos has a research project deals with populist parties. So we we see that uh, in many cases uh, policy options are blurred. Different kind of policy actions are narrowed down to black and white solutions. So in this era and in this context, citizens' assemblies are very useful to help citizens uh, understand what is really policy making as such, and when policy making as a process is being put in a shadow and harsh debates in the public uh, agenda are put on table, these more uh, fine-tuned and deliberated discussions and debates uh, help us uh, as citizens uh, to better understand how politics actually functions and how this very polarized context of, you know, Uh, black and white or right wing and left wing or good or bad in the end of the day, which is oftentimes uh, very, very punctuated by politicians, can be actually left behind and we can arrive to real solutions and uh, oftentimes everyday life's matters and questions. And uh, uh, so ideology and the sharp ideological cleavages can be overcome uh, via using uh, deliberative methods and especially citizen assemblies. Wow, this is really interesting. And also, I guess, it helps to rebuild the trust in citizens that feel distant from politics and from institutions, which is one of the aspects characterizing populism, right? The division between the people and the elite. This setting of discussions also enable researchers, uh, as you know, in our context of DEMOS, We are enabled by this context to, to measure citizens' attitudinal change during the, um, the process. So uh, talking about trust, we can measure whether before the event participants 
had uh, and what level of trust they had in different institutions like the city council or the national government or the European Union. And then uh, we have the discussion and after it we can also measure the same questions and see how their attitudes change. So that's what we are uh, doing in frame of uh, this citizen assembly that is organized by DEMOS. Exactly. DEMOS is promoting a citizen assembly as a tool to counter populism. Can you share with us some news about it? So it's very important to emphasize that this debate is going to be a part of the conference on the future of Europe. So the idea of these European institutions is to invite citizens, but not only citizens, but also local communities or even governments, of course, uh, to organize discussions and debates about uh, the future of the European Union. So in this framework, uh, the City Council of Budapest decided to organize this citizen assembly on the future of the European Union. And uh, DEMOS uh, will take part as a research partner. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we are especially interested in this uh, attitudinal change of citizens. But we also provide experts to this event. Uh, so the idea is that uh, evidence is brought by researchers to the citizens. City Council invites citizens to take part. And the second weekend uh, will be exactly about uh, elaborating policy uh, solutions and uploading them to the platform of the European Union that is uh, given to any citizen who is interested in uh, the future of the EU and who wants to contribute to this discussion. What's the particular relevance of this uh, citizen assembly that DEMOS is organizing? So it's a very particular case of citizen assembly because uh, we know that similar debates uh, are organized uh, uh, throughout the whole continent. So not only the EU institutions organize such uh, citizen assemblies, it's also very important that they convoke 200 people uh, several times and they talk about different topics like digitalization, the future of democracy, climate change, which are very important topics and they should be listened by the citizens of the European Union. But also they take place at local level. Some NGOs uh, are also very active in organizing such debates. And this particular debate organized by DEMOS uh, is organized in this context. So since we will have some data on it and we will have evidence whether uh, arguments and the discussions change attitudes of citizens, we will be able to come up with the comparative studies. And uh, it's very important because uh, so far rarely Hungarian cases were analyzed in such a way. And also it is quite a unique situation that uh, debates and uh, citizen assemblies are happening at the same time in different countries uh, at, the, at different levels. So that's why it's a very relevant uh, topic of research and it's uh, hopefully it will be a study that can uh, be used for other uh, researchers and uh, in a comparative manner. What is the, the topic of this uh, assembly? So this time the specific topic of this citizen assembly is uh, Budapest within the European Union. So what uh, the City Council of Budapest should do and what citizens see as uh, the most important uh, areas of the city's action in the European Union. What regards uh, the societal impact of this conference? What are your expectations for this citizen assembly in particular? Well, it has to be mentioned that in Hungary these citizen assemblies are relatively new. 
So the attention of the media is not that strong as compared to Belgium or Scotland. So on the one hand, uh, this creates a context in which we talked about it earlier. It is important to mediatize uh, the whole uh, process. And I think so far it, it is still a quite a limited mediatization going on in Hungary. So in that perspective, I wouldn't assume that uh, there is going to be a huge, huge uptake of the society. But uh, we have to remember that this process is in some countries started in the 80s. So it takes time until uh, citizens, journalists, politicians realize why they matter, how they are useful and uh, how they should be evaluated. And uh, so it takes a bit of time until it gets part of the public discussion. But uh, I think it's very important that uh, this uh, process is being started in Hungary and it's uh, it's becoming more and more uh, like a regular practice of politicians. That's great. That's anyways a start and we have to begin somewhere, right? Yes. So thank you so much, Dr. Ross, for joining us today. Now it is definitely clearer to me and our listeners why deliberative assemblies are so important for democracy. Thank you very much for inviting me and uh, for this opportunity to talk about the Citizen Assembly. Our pleasure. For those of you following us, thank you so much for tuning in for this Demos podcast episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the Demos podcast so that you won't miss our next episodes and follow the project's social media channels to know all about populism and its impact on democracy. Go check out our website at demos-h2020.eu and see you in the next episode.